standard issue for all women. Hello, Mickey here. Blimey, it's got a bit cold, hasn't it? Might have to start wearing a bra again just for another layer. Anyway, welcome to this week's Sunday Chops, the last in our International Men's Day series of interviews with Them Their Men. And in this one, you are about to hear me talking to Dr. Dan Guinness and Ben Hurst of the excellent The Good Lad Initiative. And they're telling me about positive masculinity, the power of talking and being a work in progress. So far in this series, you'll have heard Hannah chatting to Andrew Cotter about his very good dogs, Olive and Mabel, the blessing and curse of going viral and the power of pets. And to actor, writer, musician and activist Matt Fraser about Crip Tales, a brilliant new series he created for the BBC, which is written, performed and made entirely by disabled people. Jen caught up with Mr Michael Spicer, aka the man in the room next door, to find out what it's like being a man online and to try to work out whether Matt Hancock is doing, well, whatever it is he's doing, on purpose. And I caught up with Mr International Men's Day, Mr International Women's Day, comedian, podcast behemoth and genuinely lovely man, Richard Herring, to talk about all sorts of stuff, really, including his new book, The Problem With Men, which is uh, surprisingly short. If you haven't already listened, please do. They are all cracking chats. You should also chuck our International Men's Day gig in inverted commas, in your ears, because Hannah and I had a properly fun time with actor and screenwriter Lawrence Rickard and comedian Deliso Chaponda. Anyway, enough of me wanging on about all the brilliant stuff we've done. You're here because you want to listen to some of it, and I thank you for it. Hello, I am joined on the old Zoom by two of the team from the excellent The Good Lad Initiative, an organisation that works with men and boys to enable them to actively contribute to gender equality in their workplaces, schools, universities, communities, because, and we will never get tired of saying this, gender inequality is shit for everyone. Dan Guinness is director of Good Lad. Dan, hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. And Ben Hurst is head of facilitation and training. Hey, Ben. Hello. I'm meant to use my normal voice, aren't I? Hello, so everybody knows who I am. <laughs> Hiya. What was the really other voice? clear instructions on this. Ben. I don't know. I was going to do my hi, like my introduction voice, but no, this is a different vibe. <laughs> I'm going to start by trying to sum up the Good Lad Initiative ethos by basically nicking bits of your teaching and stringing it together. Yeah. Boys will be boys? Nah. Boys won't be boys. Boys will be what we teach them to be, and those boys will become men. How did I do? That's fantastic. Yeah, I feel like that was good. <laughs> let's, let's write that down. It's on the website. We're going to use that tomorrow. So it makes sense to kick off with the what's and why's of the Good Lad Initiative. Dan, can you tell us a bit about how Good Lad got started and what your aims are? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'd start by saying these days we're now an organisation that's kind of come together from lots of different places. Um, and so the part that I, I came in with was myself and another group of people at university um, doing doing some postgrad studies and coming to these realizations that the men in our lives were fantastic wonderful people to us hmm. had really great contributions were caring kind all these sorts of things and then time and time again uh, you know we'd find ourselves where well, i would find myself in a situation where either a friend like a woman that i was friends with almost almost without fail um, would come up to me and say, why are you friends with that guy? He's an absolute dickhead. Right. Um, you know, he treats people terribly. Or I, I personally would find myself in situations and I'd be like, why am I behaving like this? Like, why am I going along with this? Or what did I just say, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was the, 
just a combination of realizations there of like, hey, I don't really want to be part of this anymore. Why are we all get why are good people getting dragged along or people who feel that they're good and treating um, people well in many circumstances, also treating other people terribly at times? Why are we doing that to each other? And also, why are these messages that that I've heard either in the few classes on feminism that I did or from women in my life, why have they not really penetrated deep into into me and penetrated deeply into the groups that I'm a part of? Mm-hmm. That was really like the, the origin point of it all. So what is the aim? What, what do you want to achieve? Yeah, um, a, a total restructuring of, of the way that we relate to each other. Come um, on, yes. <laughs> yeah, I... I think it's it, it's coming at two levels. Like, I'd love just to be opening up the space for every single man in in the UK and around the world, ideally. But just to to have that chance to ask themselves, who do I actually want to be? And at the moment, what do the impacts and consequences of my actions actually mean for other people around me? Mm-hmm. Right, like that. That's like the really core of what I, I'd I'd like to be able to um, the impact I'd be able to have to really enable men to, to see the consequences of what they're doing on, on themselves and on others and have a chance to change that. I start there because I, I think that's the, like the core of the change that we try to make and it's our contribution to a bigger change, which is let's create like a more equitable and safe society. Really, let's have everyone involved in tackling gender inequality, in tackling you know, hate speech and discrimination, in tackling street harassment, sexual violence, all these issues for too long have not had men part of them. Our little contribution to all of this is if we can get men past that, that identity piece, past that naivety or willing, um, uh, willful disengagement from the, you know, from the reality of inequalities and violence and oppression, if we can get them past that point and actually have them engaged, then we'll have the whole of community, whole of society working together to tackle what have been really difficult problems to solve. Yeah, it's an incredible aim. So I guess the next big question is, how are you going about doing this? So I'm going to chuck this one over to Ben. Whoa, I never expected that. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> how, how do we go about how do we go about doing it is a good question. So I guess essentially what we try and do is create spaces for men to have conversations that they wouldn't normally get to have. And that space functions as a space for the deconstruction and reconstruction of masculinity. That's the way that I like to describe it. I feel like that's an easy way to understand what we do. So we don't necessarily go in with the answers to the questions. I don't think there's necessarily like a a thing that we're trying to tell men that they're meant to be. Because I think like when when like we spend a lot of time like in the in a very a heady space like trying to figure out the theory of of what we're doing and and why our practice is the way that it is if I'm speaking on a personal level I would say that essentially if you deconstruct masculinity and then we change the parameters and we say all right men shouldn't be like this now they should be like this or now we're going to behave in this way without deconstructing the power dynamics of that and of patriarchy you're just going to end up with a, a different form of toxicity do you know what I mean because I think that the issue there is the power really so we try to give men space in a really like accessible way to explore those ideas so what masculinity is where does it come from how is it passed down why do we inherit it do we like it the way that it is is it something that we want if we didn't have to have this and we could have anything what would we have so what would we change 
and obviously we work with guys of a range of ages so with kids like with a 12 year old that's a really different conversation to what it is with like a, a master's student or a phd student who's in their 70s but um i think yeah there's loads of different methods that we use so we tend to workshop a lot sometimes we do talks but we're in schools and universities and corporates having loads of different conversations with loads of different guys and we try to make it as fun as possible because I think I don't think the conversation needs to be not fun but then there's also elements of it that are really serious that are like really hard conversations to have so we try to hold space for those conversations and yeah I think when it when it's boiled all the way down to like its most basic form it's just giving guys space to talk about what what the experience of being a guy is like and I think when you do that it's really interesting I think what we find often is that most guys are not used to having the space to have that conversation which also feels like an oxymoron because I think guys are very used to taking space but when we give them space for that particular conversation they seem to be like rattled a little bit and quite surprised and then once you get into it it becomes really interesting and it's always cool to be in a room with people and think about stuff that people haven't thought about before um so generally like really interesting things come up and then, yeah, we get we get to the end of a workshop and hope that something has been done or some work has been started. Another part that I often miss in podcasts and like interviews that is a really important part of what we do is actually in regards to our volunteering network. So there are guys who I think we've trained about, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but around 300 guys, um, probably a few, a few more than 300 at this point. But we, we have around maybe 100 to 150 active volunteers who go into schools and run these workshops and universities and run these workshops with us. Um, and I would say like th- a really big part of this work is like sitting with those guys and journeying through their own deconstruction and reconstruction of their own personal forms of masculinity. And I'm, I'm one of those guys. I started here as a volunteer. Most of us in the organization started as volunteers. So it's like a really personal journey of understanding your position in the world and how that's come about and and I think those people have the opportunity to like transform their own lives but also transform the lives of people around them and sometimes we focus a lot on the workshops and like what we do in schools and what we do in universities but I think we often miss that part of the conversation because that's like a massive bit of it. It's really key isn't it influence because we're Mm. chatting on November the 5th when the US election still hangs oh, way too precariously in the balance. By the time this goes out, listeners will know whether Trump is in or out. Sadly, mm. I already know that Boris Johnson will still be leader of this country. Oh. But these men are huge, problematic authority figures that wield great influence. And I wondered what the fallout for boys and young men with men like Trump, like Johnson, being in these positions of power is. How much harder does that make what you're trying to do? <laughs> just in the back of my head, I know that we um, we just submitted a form for our uh, official charity registration and we're told off for having critiqued Trump in the past. So <laughs> I'll tread a little carefully on this one. But surely everyone, everyone's critiqued Trump in the past. <laughs> right, it's fair game, for sure. Right. No, but what, what, I, what I can point to is there's been like this normalisation of really harmful forms of behaviour by men and uh, and... A, an idea that's come in that um, there is this, like, this polarization. You know, there's this idea that there is the polarization in society. There's this idea that somehow there's a group of feminists whose ideas are and purpose is to attack men, and that the the best thing that men can do is to behave in the most obnoxious possible ways in order to retain, I don't know, their 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 rights to to human dignity or something. 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't quite understand the, the lot of the logics in here because quite often it leads people to a point where they prefer to defend behaviour that they find terrible, like whether it be um, sexual assault, uh, whatever it might be, right? They prefer to defend that than actually like engage in the question of like, well. Do we want this to be part of the masculinities that we aspire to? Do we even want this to be part of what it is being a man? We've got the, the difficult thing sometimes is that when we start a workshop, you can walk in and you can hear that people are not willing to start from the position of being like, well, actually, how are you experiencing this? What do you think of this? But are already worried that there's a trick question coming and mm-hmm. we're, we're there to attack them. And and I, I really think this is the, the key to, to everything we do is our contribution is really just trying to get people past that point and to do it by being really genuinely curious in the way that they see the world and the way that they experience the world and to try to get them to detach themselves from, from the sorts of ideologies, the sorts of messaging they're getting from the media, that, you know, whatever else might be coming to their lives and just be with us be with their friends with their classmates with their their teammates in that room today and just have a talk about how they're treating each other and how they're treating other people when we can do that it's great in my experience the main pushback we get from say defenders of of the rights to to men to to live you know the way that um, you know some of these public figures do that the main defenders there and the main kind of antagonism we get is by emails and, you know, on Twitter or something like this, as opposed to actually in a classroom or actually in a workshop. Because we're, we don't structure it as a lesson and we don't structure it as debate. I don't know. I should throw, throw it at Ben because I think Ben really has taught me a lot about that curiosity and about trying to be interested in, well, what, is, what has led you to that, um, that opinion or that worldview that, you know that make that's making you so angry right at the moment what mm-hmm. why are you why are you feeling like that like i i think that one of the like trying i didn't even know we weren't allowed to critique trump anymore so that's <laughs> news to me um but I, I do i do think on the most obvious level like we're talking about somebody who is the leader arguably one of the leaders of the free world in inverted commas what even is the free world but one of the leaders of the world and is openly spouting all kinds of things that are diabolical like openly talking about grabbing women by the pussy and everybody's just like yeah okay cool whatever it's nothing we can do um has ongoing rape trials in 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 the court and and there's no closure on that kind of stuff so and i think dan touched on normalization right which is actually really scary when we really think about it like this is where where i think these things were normalized and we were living in 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 a culture that was understandably rape culture and all of those things were kind of there but under the rug a little bit like now it's open Mm -hmm. and there's no avoiding those conversations but I think the the thing that is maybe even a little bit scarier is that the model of leadership that we're seeing at the moment is one where people are not expected to be open to critique and to criticism I think that that's really scary and and you see that playing out in interactions with the people that we work with Um, and I think that touches on what you were talking about just now as well Dan in terms of getting into a room with 15 guys and trying to start a conversation and they're just instantly being a wall up and and being polarized and you're on this side and I'm on that side and we're going to argue 
And so I think creating that space like where this doesn't have to be an argument, it doesn't have to be a debate, and we all know everybody's problematic, I'm problematic, you're problematic, let's talk about mm-hmm. it, let's figure out why we think the things that we think, and after we've figured out, out where it comes from, we can make a decision about whether we like it or not, or whether we want to keep it or not, or you can do that by yourself, like we don't even have to have that conversation, but let's just interrogate the ideas, and usually like, when you get into that space of interrogating ideas, things fall apart by themselves, do you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. you don't have to prod or poke too much um, to realise that things don't make sense, or like the origins of things are not great, but I think those are those are two of the main things that that I see in terms of the leadership models that we're seeing being promoted at the moment and what's being normalised and accepted in culture and society is just like a a real um, expectation or maybe even a lack of expectation of any kind of decency. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, It's like gloves are off, no rules, do what you want, say what you want. And if you've got enough power, you'll get away with it. It's almost like any notion of change is seen as an attack as opposed to something that could benefit everyone. You've both touched on it there, that conversation is key to what you do. Given that blokes famously, and it is sort of famously, don't talk about emotions, the pressure of masculinity, feminism, and everything that goes along with those, what methods do you use to get boys and men to open up? And crucially, are there any that you think people could use outside of your workshops? Oh, second one's, second one's hard. I mean, the first one's quite easy. We, uh, in a lot of spaces, including in corporate spaces, we try to play games with people. Uh, you know, sometimes subvert those games, sometimes alter them in ways that kind of like lead to easier conversations. So, for example, I think this is the, the trickiest thing we're, we've done, um, but uh, we've taken uh, Never Have I Ever, like the, um, the drinking game. Yeah. And we're like, okay, uni students know that. They play it the whole time. Let's play it with them. Um, without the drinks uh, as, as they often complain but and then just you know make sure the stuff that they're they're owning up to is like a full reflection of their experience so we ask them stuff which which would maybe normally be we played in a game like who's done something embarrassing like i can't i can't give an example here but who's thrown up at a at a party you know and like you know a third of the group move across or right <laughs> A few hands went up on the call, um, <laughs> and yeah, you know, so stuff like that. And then, but we also get to some stuff that they might not be thinking about. So to be like, as simple as, uh, well, okay, who's who's kept count of the number of people they've they've slept with? A lot of people move for that. Who's lied about that number to their friends, to their best friends? You know, just like made something up there, mm-hmm. um, or who's. Um, who's pretended they haven't hooked up with someone because they're too embarrassed about it. Things like that, um, they'll start moving and they'll start thinking and they'll, they'll look where they all are. And what emerges from there is is very quickly, they realise that the way that they're behaving is they're trying to fit in with sorts, certain sorts of ideas. Like they're desperately trying to prove themselves to themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that there's a lot of insecurity there. Um, and I just remember this one moment coming out of direct, exactly this conversation where this guy was like, yeah, you know, after 10 minutes or so of, of unpacking this, he was just like, yeah, I just realised, like, I've slept with, I think it was like 28, 28 people this year, and I only liked one of them. I didn't want to wow. sleep with anyone else. I only, I only want to sleep with one of them. And he's like, I don't know why I do it. You know, like, I just get to the end of the night and someone's there and I just, like, I have to, and then I regret it the next morning and I feel... 
Yeah, and, and that's his that's his truth. And like I'm sure other people were like, twenty eight, that sounds incredible, you know. But what everyone could recognize was like, okay, this is there's that pressure for us as men to prove ourselves to be heterosexual, to prove ourselves to be prolifically heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Ideally with the with the most attractive women that we possibly can be with. So, you know, again like turning those relationships, turning sex into this object and to be counted and to be displayed to everyone else, sort of feel good about yourself. And that there was something missing in that that was bad for them as men. You know, again, this is the patriarchy shit for them. And then at the same time, the implications, the consequences of that, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean about how you behave when you're at the party or how you are in nightclubs? What does that mean for the space that you create for the guy on your team who's gay but not out? You know, what, what's their experience that's right? And coming through that that playful route of, of fun and, and banter and all this and then being like, okay, well, now let's make it about vulnerability and, and actually feeling something yourself mm-hmm. and sharing that. And then from there, let's move to empathy for other people. And then let's put that in the bigger context of, of okay, and, you know, broadly what has been the experience of people who are queer in this society, like historically and today, you know, what is, what is the actual broader context of young women's experience on the streets, in parties, in universities, in the classroom, mm-hmm. how safe do they feel from that start of game? You've got down to like a crux of, of like a very different lived experience and mm. like a, a, a very different, a problematization of the way they used to see the world. And the way they used to, these men experienced the world as being like a safe, happy, fun place for everybody. And it's like, well, actually, it's not quite how it has been. Yeah. Like, we haven't changed anything. We just asked you what your experiences were. But yeah. this stuff started to trickle out. I, I, I feel like I've gone off on a massive tangent. No, but like <laughs> no, if, if, if we built a society or if society's built around this idea where a guy can feel quite safe being fairly predatory, what does that mean on the flip side for everyone else who is like, there's a predator? Right. Right, right, exactly. And if, if we build a society where, as is as real com, it's really common um, that, uh, you know, the, the guys are sharing stories about like what their, what their counts are, what, what their, I, I think it's like um, kill count is, is that, is that body the term straight Body count. Yeah. Right. Like that, I don't know. Like, if you, if there's anything more predatory than that, and uh, <laughs> I mean, it's horrible, right? And that's normalised. It's completely fine. It's like it's fun. It's it's jokes. It's it's whatever in their lived experience. And so you've got to do something where you you like lecturing on that. It's not going to get anywhere. But yeah, playing around, having fun, and getting people to share. Like, it's a start at least. Do you see a lot of light bulb moments? Yeah, I would. I would say we do. Well, I, do you know what I think? Um, there is a, a like a scale of change that we use at work, which is uh, really helpful for us in having these conversations because I think people start at different places. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's really hard to identify. Like you asked about how somebody could have these conversations with people that they know. And I think like one, so the scale that we use is from pre-contemplation to contemplation to intention to action. Mm-hmm. Um, and realistically, like in any workshop that we're, we're in, we know people will be starting at different spaces and our objective, like our main aim is to move everybody one step forward. So somebody who's never considered the topic before, if they can consider the topic, we've done a good job. If somebody has intention but hasn't done anything and they 
can leave the workshop and think this is what I'm going to do we've done a good job um and I think like the the mechanisms for doing that are different depending on who you're talking to and where you're talking to them sometimes we'll use humor sometimes it's got to be super empathetic but I think one thing that like has to be at the core of it all the time is authenticity and transparency so I think like there, there's a real temptation like in doing this work to walk into the room and be like I'm the guy who knows the answers and I like I've got it right and you should all be more like me um when actually like all of us are still men do you know what I mean like all all of us who run these workshops are still in the process of like doing a lifelong unlearning of the things that we've learned so the way that masculinity functions and in unlearning that you still make mistakes you still do dumb stuff you're still like difficult or hard to handle sometimes and I think being open and honest with other guys about that helps them to feel like they're in a space where they can be open and honest and and really explore their own stuff but it's really important to note that we're all still learning like there's so Mm -hmm. much centuries of social conditioning that we're trying to unpick and that mm. goes for women's understanding of masculinity as well. These these boys, these men are being raised by women as well as other men and society. And it's so easy to just go, well, this is how it's always been. Boys will be boys. I think I've heard that phrase more from the mouths of women than I have from men. Mm, yeah. You know, and it, it just feels like it's easier to just to leave things be rather than challenge something that's been around for so, so long. Yeah. And there's also... Uh, I mean, I think there's that, there's that unpacking and questioning aspect. And there's also this building part, which I think is also always a work in progress. And there's lots of skills that, that people, people need to develop when they're a bit further down that end of the scale around intention towards action, right? And I mean, I know in, the, in, in workplaces in particular, there we have really often find that we're brought in to do work with a male allies group there's a dog in the background there's a tail wagging behind dan's head it's really quite distracting (laughs) adorable Um, it's about to come so high to everyone um and yeah in workplaces uh we're often often brought in and we're working with people who are already identify themselves as male allies for gender equality for change for more equitable um and fair workplaces fantastic and they're at the point where some of them are in positions where they can make a serious a serious difference but don't actually really know what they can do mm-hmm. haven't developed the um the different ways of communicating haven't uh, developed the awareness about um the ways in which like some practices impact on others there's also the development of those skills there and and here again we're always in a position where like okay listen we think we think about this and we've done work and but we're also as a group of people doing work and trying mm-hmm. to improve on this and, and and made you know all sorts of mistakes in the way that that we organize ourselves and interact because mm-hmm. there is a challenge here more fundamentally about bringing people together and treating everyone and understanding everyone's where they're coming from and and how it all fits together that's 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 you know it's a skill and it's something that needs to get practiced and it's something needs to to be taught to people from a really young age are you hopeful? I mean, I'm always optimistic, so... <laughs> <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. I, I am. Yeah, for sure. I've seen massive shifts since I've started this work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ben? Yeah, I got hope, hopeful for what? What is the... What's, what's the real question that you're asking here? No. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you have to be hopeful that things can change. And I, I think one of like one of the things that's beautiful about being part of the organization 
and joining the organization the way that I joined it was that when I started doing this work I'd not had this conversation before Mm -hmm. so I wasn't somebody who'd come from university with a gender studies degree do you know what I mean like I wasn't somebody who um had been like engaging in activist circles and like was a social justice person and like really had a a heart and a passion for gender equality and women's rights and like I was just a normal guy who was working on another youth work project and so I had to research the topic and for me it was my first time ever being in a room full of guys where I felt seen in that way um and where like I could say all of the the dumb shit that I needed to say and like ask all of the stupid questions um and people really held space for me and looking at my own life over the last four or five years like I would say if I can go through that process and I can change in the ways that I've changed then I I know that that's possible for other people um and I think that there's a there's a lot of especially in social justice circles there's a lot of people that we write off do you know what I mean there's a lot of people Mm. we look at and say that person will never change let the old people Mm. die out so like people have all of these weird things that they say and actually like in terms of being hopeful I think that's where my hope is in terms of every individual can move on that scale do you know what I mean every single person can change and sometimes progress is slow sometimes it means sitting with people and working with them for a long period of time but yeah I would say we're hopeful enough that we'll be able to work ourselves out of a job Um, (laughs) and and that's that's the aim right like at at the end of this hopefully we won't still be doing this work in 40 years and like 40 years from now this issue will be solved and and there will be other issues to to work on but yeah I really believe that it can change definitely well, I am excited at the prospect of you guys being unemployed. That is very exciting. <laughs> but while you are still working, oh, what, yeah. where can people find out more about the Good Lad Initiative and what you do, please? I Probably best to go check out our website, which is www.goodladinitiative.com and just get in touch if you would like us uh, in, in your school, university, workplace, sports club, um, anywhere. Yeah. Our social media is super whack, but <laughs> that's why that's why he's not saying it. But if you want to find us on socials, um, we're Good Lad Initiative on Instagram, Geo Initiative on Twitter, and anywhere else. Just just Google it; you'll find it. It will be there. Ben, um, I need Good you Lad to Initiative. define super whack for me. Well, just you look. Maybe that's for everybody who wants to know what super whack means. You go and look, follow, like the posts, retweet, subscribe, whatever. But yeah, yeah. it's yeah, we're we're everywhere. Yeah. Awesome. social media is what we do when we're not running workshops rather than what we do you know yeah so <laughs> yeah oh, it yeah. happens when it happens when we're not busy which is not not often not often yeah yeah it sounds quite like standard issues social media so yeah welcome to that party <laughs> yeah. right it's a club thank you so so much for sparing me some time to have a chat i think it's endlessly fascinating and i love what you're doing so thank you for getting out there and taking the initiative thanks ben thanks dan pleasure Standard issue for all women.